place in cyberspace. Stay tuned for another sports presentation on the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. It's time for Sports Buzz, WMUL's weekly sports talk show with a competitive twist. Four enter, but only one will leave as this week's champion of current sports topics. And now, here's this week's moderator. Welcome into Sports Buzz. I am this week's host, Christian Palmer. Tonight, we have a little different setup than usual. Usually, we have four guests on our panel. We're a man short tonight, so only three contestants. So, we'll have a condensed show tonight, just 30 minutes. We'll go all the way through, let these three battle it out, and then we'll crown a winner at the end of the half hour. We'll go ahead and let these three introduce themselves. We'll start from my left to right. Andrew Rogers, last time I was uh, in this chair during Sports Buzz, Justin Zimmer was, I don't know what the, he was on one. You know, He was feeling himself that night, so interested to see what's going on tonight with Justin. Justin Zimmer. Uh, yeah. At least, I, at least when I came into the room, I wasn't grateful that there were drinks on my desk. I'll let the person who, who was who thinks all of this stuff that, that was put on his chair as a as a drinking water. I'm Alex Jackson. I'm returning yet again. Uh, I believe the drinks that Zimmer's referring to is a Windex bottle, a Pine Sol bottle, and I think hand sanitizer. Well, you don't want to mention those drinks. And there's a green Sharpie. My eyesight's bad. I couldn't see from the other side of the room. <laughs> but um, it is clearly not Gatorade, so I will not be drinking this this evening. But I'm glad to be here tonight. He literally walked in and said, oh, someone left drinks on my desk. And I looked at him like, no, no one did it. Simmer's already off the rails tonight, yep. so we'll, yep. we'll just go ahead and... Can I just say, I like this twist of having three people, because maybe now someone can defeat him. It'll be a lot easier. Gives you gives you a better chance. Alex has been a, a fierce competitor, so we'll go ahead and get into the first question of the evening. Obviously, the World Series ended last night, the Braves winning their fourth championship in team history, second in Atlanta, but the main thing that I keep hearing is the 88-win Braves, the 88-win Braves. Does that make this World Series more impressive that they didn't dominate in the regular season or less impressive? And we'll start with Zimmer. Well, I'll start here because I because I'm out of these three guys. I, I I'm the team that has a, a team in the Braves division in the National League East. Let me let me just start. Let me, let me preface it by this: the National League East was terrible this year. So it, it was Andrew. How is it terrible if they have the best team in the league? Let's go back in our little. Let's go back and let's go back to what the playoff. Let's okay. go back to our time machines to like to like May and April. Okay. You look at the top of the division at the beginning of the year. You were barely above five hundred. The leader was barely above five hundred. How at the beginning was the of the series year? it played in May? No, May nah. and April. But it, the question was: Was the win least impressive? That that was the question. That was the question. So answer it. The Braves. By the time they were playing their best, by the time they were playing their best, it was when they actually had to play their best because all year they didn't have to do it because the division was an absolute mess. Here, let's give you a rundown of the teams in the division just to, just to prove my point here. The New York Mets, they were the World Series, they were one of the World Series favorites. Once again, they got banged up, so bye bye, Mets are done. The Phillies, they had they had playoff potential, injuries there, they're gone. The Nationals, I hate saying this, we had we had World Series at the beginning of the year. We? 
All right. The Nationals, my beloved Washington Nationals. My? <laughs> Go on. They had World Series potential at the beginning of the year, and then as the year rattled on, we got our team got banged up. You know who else got banged up? The Braves. But wait, let me get to the point. Braves lost their best player, arguably. Then yet, then yet, then yet, the Yellow Submarine Marlins, who yeah, they've been they've been a disaster for years. But look, let's get to the point. The, here's the thing with the Braves, though. They have a smart general manager. I'm not even going to try to say his last name because it's it's too difficult. But they have a smart GM. He was able to make the moves that were needed. Rosario was a fantastic move. Solo was a fantastic move. They were worth the capital. But remember, at one point, when you know who the Braves catcher was at one point, William Contreras. He was a minor leaguer for a majority of the year, and then they bring him up, and he did a phenomenal job as catcher. The only reason why the it's impressive to win the World Series, no matter how you how you slice it. Period. I just don't. If you want to say this one's the most impressive, that wasn't the question. Well, what's the question? Is an eighty-eight win World Series impressive? Yeah, and you said most impressive. Well, is it impressive? Not really, concerning the division that they played in all year. Did they not have to beat the Dodgers to win the World Series? Did they not have to beat the Astros to win the World Series? Well, my point is this. They didn't have to play their best ball until it really counted. They did. And they played their best ball and won the World Series. But but we're talking about the regular season win record here. We're talking about is them winning the World Series impressive because they had 88 wins. And with all the injuries they had, all these signings they brought in, it's impressive. impressive. I'm just saying you have to also consider that their division was an absolute crap show. So what does that have to do with the situation? Because that means, but so basically, it means a lot easier for them to get into the playoffs. Because basically, every other team, the Braves had enough to retool, retool, retool. They did they or did they retool. not beat the Dodgers? They did, but I did they or did they not beat the? They had effectively retool at the trade deadline, which they did. That's how they won the World Series. They did their moves at the trade deadline. However, here's, here's a question: Do you think if they're in the Na- National League Central, they still make the playoffs? I don't believe so. I think the National League Central stack. Let me ask you something, Zimmer. Did so the Patriots winning the Super Bowl past the, cent- the division series? Did the Patriots any of their Super Bowls that they won are they less impressive because the AFC East was really bad when they were really good? You gotta consider. You gotta consider this as a whole picture, though. The rest of the division. The division was. But what, do you, what do you have to do to win the World Series? You have to go to the playoffs and win in the playoffs and beat everybody that you play in right, the playoffs. Right, but if, if you don't have to play a tough, if you really don't have to play your best until October, you really. How many teams out of the entire league won the World Series this one, year? One, the Braves. Okay. Let, let, let's just be honest. Point blank. Period. Yeah, it's impress. It's impressive that. With the injuries they sustained and the pieces they brought in, not many people thought they would do what they did. It's the minor league depth, but yep. Oh, yeah, but the thing with the situation they had, they were not one of the favorites going into the postseason. So for them to do what they did with a quality pitching staff, timely hitting when they needed it against Houston to win the whole thing, and even to get to Houston to beat the Los Angeles Dodgers, who on paper had a better roster, that's impressive. And I kind of throw out really the 88 wins because they don't mean much. You get in, and anybody, it's it's March Madness. You get into the tournament, and there's a chance. You get into the Major League Baseball postseason, anything can happen. Same thing with the NBA playoffs. You get into the playoffs, you throw everything out that happened uh, in the regular season. Obviously, your team's a little bit different, so if the question was formed in a way where, like, 
85 win Braves get in and they get swept and it was embarrassing they were even in there, that's different. But they went on to win the whole thing, and that's just an example of a team getting hot, playing good baseball, combine that with good pitching when they needed to uh, to beat good teams. It's impressive. It, it certainly is impressive, and uh, whether people like that a Braves team like this won, that's for uh, a different uh, story, uh, but it's impressive. It's, 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 impressive. Yeah, it's impressive with what they were able to do and to manage the roster they were able to uh, work with and win. It's not like the Dodgers last year. I don't have an issue with the Braves. No, I think it's impressive. I don't think that what division you play in matters because, like you said, once you get to the playoffs, you got to win. I mean, like I said, the Patriots, they still have to go in the playoffs and win. When they were when they had Tom Brady and Belichick, it's like, oh, yeah, the AFC East is horrible. They get all these advantages. But you still have to win the games. You play to win the game. Yeah. You do. And in this case, you play to win the games, and they won the games. They won the World Series. It's very impressive, especially with all the injuries they had. So we can take nothing away from this team. No, I'm not taking anything. It was an amazing postseason run. I, I think it's it would be unfair of us to knock their division competition and your own team's competition Thank you. by uh, saying that they didn't do it because they had to go through and beat the Dodgers, the mighty Dodgers. Well, they had to go in and too, beat yeah. the uh, rejuvenated Houston Astros team trying to redeem themselves from all of these scandals, and they and they put it away. It's, it was a great run. We'll go ahead and switch topics here. I had a flurry of baseball questions planned for tonight, but with a condensed show, we'll go ahead and switch to another topic that we really need to hit on tonight. We'll talk a little college football. The college football playoff rankings came out earlier this week. A lot of people up in arms. I want to know what your opinions are on the top four at the moment, and who would your top four be if you would make any changes? And we'll start with Alex. Okay, so I think for the purpose of fairness, Alabama is ranked too high. I don't. That's not me saying that. I don't think Alabama is terrific, but they get credit for having a loss against Texas A&M and being ranked above an undefeated Michigan State team who has a better win on their resume against Michigan than any win that Alabama has all season long. The same thing with Oregon. Oregon has a better win on their resume than any win that Alabama has all season long and going into Columbus and beating Ohio State. I do like how the committee ranked Oregon over Ohio State, even though at this point it looks like Ohio State's probably a better well, football team. Well, they did head-to-head. That's the, yeah, you have to happen. have... They, this committee clearly values head-to-head matchups, as you can see Oregon ranked over Ohio State, and it's the same thing. As they should. When you, yeah, when you go down the line and uh, look at some of these matchups here. I thought it was interesting Oklahoma was at 8, but, I mean, I think the deal is... Here's the deal with the committee. The most shocking rankings, or the most exciting rankings, are the first ones and the last ones. And the first ones usually shake up the AP poll because we're going to talk about a team down here in Cincinnati who went from number 2 in the AP poll to 6. And... I mean, I understand, you know, strength of schedule is important and all that, but also you look at Cincinnati and they got a better win than anybody that Alabama has a win over. And on the road at Notre Dame, a team, no one has won at Notre Dame since Georgia in 2017. Notre Dame, of course, a top 10 team. So, you know, it's when you it's going to be subjective you're going to bring people in and they're going to think who they value they clearly valued the big 10 you look at all these big 10 teams that are ranked in the top 10 i believe there's three of them here Um, and then you go down the line and they really just don't have much care for some of these other group of five teams such as utsa who's undefeated they're not in these rankings smu uh seven and one not in these rankings houston not in these rankings so this is pretty typical um, I think it's interesting that Minnesota gets in at 20 when they have a loss to Bowling Green on their resume. 
It's a little bit tough, um, and it's tough when the committee gets to determine what's a quality win by completely altering the rankings and saying, oh, no, we believe that Mississippi State's the 17th best team in the nation. It's kind of like, okay. I have some problems, but I, don't, I like the top four. I like that Georgia's one, Alabama's two. Michigan State is not a really a real number three team. Michigan's nothing really to brag about. You look back at Michigan State in this schedule, yes, you have the Michigan win, but there's wins on here that's scary, like five points on the road against Indiana, three point you barely beat Nebraska in overtime. You had to come back. You were down a touchdown in the fourth quarter. You get a punt return for a score, win in overtime by a field goal. You don't have enough convincing victories that make them seem like the best team. They've just been able you know to survive in advance. A loss. I, I understand that. But when you look at the eye test and the win margin, they're barely undefeated. They could easily be on the schedule right now with two losses because they had to storm back against Michigan. I believe, right? Was it Michigan? I didn't really follow the game. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. It, they it was thirty to fourteen in the third quarter. Yeah, so they had to storm back. And I'm not saying they're a bad team for getting off to slow starts. That takes resiliency to have to battle back and win those football games. But when you look at Alabama, besides the Texas A&M game, they've blown everybody else out. Besides Florida, they Florida was a tight game, but you blow out Mississippi State, Tennessee, Ole Miss, who was in the top fifteen at the time, Miami, who was top five or top 15 to start the season, too. So I understand why Alabama's two, not just because the brand and the overall body of work from years past, that plays a factor in, I think, as well. But when you look at what they've done, it makes sense. And then Oregon's ahead of Ohio State, which should be uh, true. I don't like Michigan at seven. I think Oklahoma should be seven, Notre Dame's eight, Michigan's nine, Wake Forest ten. I don't think Notre Dame is worse than Wake Forest or Michigan. Michigan's not really good. They're not really a good football team, and Michigan State's not either. So I end, I'm glad Michigan State's three, because they sh- they really, honestly, if Ohio State's undefeated, Michigan State's not in the top four. doesn't matter if Michigan State's still undefeated. Ohio State would be four, and Oregon's three. If those, or depending on, well, Oregon wouldn't be, I guess, in the top four, but I think it would be looked at differently if Ohio State was still undefeated rather than Michigan State being undefeated. Michigan State is a fake undefeated team. They'll lose two games by the end okay, of the year. Okay, but you have to reward what happens on the field. I agree. But the, uh, well, their win margin's not good enough. They've but survived Alabama against lost. bad teams. Let's, let's, let's look at the committee criteria. They're not looking at Alab- win Texas margin. A&M's not a bad team. They're, what were they ranked? They're ranked, A&M? Four, they're ranked 14. And they have two losses in the best conference in football. Well, Texas That's not a bad loss. They lost to Mississippi State, and Mississippi State lost to Memphis. So... Still, though, they're ranked 14, so the committee values what they Well, that's what what the committee says they're ranked. And that's what matters, though. So, I think when you bring this in, Alabama, they lost. I think that when you're talking about Michigan State, you look at some... Let's look at uh, common opponents. They both played Miami. They both blew Miami out, uh, Michigan State and Alabama. And like I said, quality of wins has to matter. As of now, Alabama does not have a win with a team who is currently in the top ten. They're the, the highest-ranked team that Alabama has played currently ranked is Texas A&M, and they lost. Second-highest is 16th-ranked Ole Miss, who just went and lost to Auburn this weekend. So I think you have to reward what happens on the field. What happens on the field has to matter. Because if we want to just say, all right, line them up, who's got the most five stars? It's going to be Alabama and Georgia. Then... What's the what's the point? We need to play these games and see. And as of right now, Michigan State has a better win than any singular win that Alabama has, and they don't have I a loss. Again, it's the overall body of work, though. Michigan State has not blown some of these teams out of the water that but they, they should. But it, it's different, though, because you could be 
Uh, there's fake undefeated teams out there, if that makes sense. Like like Alabama. No, they've blown every team out. They've played, they they've played two. They've played two one possession games, and they they've lost, lost one and one won the other. They've dominated everybody else. Well, I have empathy for the committee this year because I think they've had a tough task. I actually, the past couple of nights, I've actually sat down and write, I wrote, wrote down a top 25. So it, I'll tell you this. The committee had three days to do this. I guarantee there were a lot of discussions. Like even when I was writing down mine, I, I was kind of debating back and forth the, the quality work. I do, I do agree with Alex on this. The games on the field should matter. The one issue I have is Ohio State-Oregon. That is the one issue I, I get we have to look at head-to-head. When I do my rankings, I do look at what the committee... I do kind of follow the same metrics that the committee follows, just to play it fair and square. In my opinion, Oregon has not played... They played a good UCLA team, but they really have not had the stronger competition that Ohio State had. Ohio State played great Saturday night against Penn State. The only issue I have to have for is... I would have just swapped Ohio State and Oregon up one. You I, can't do that. No. You cannot. Uh, you can't. Wait, 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 wait hold, on, beat hold on. Ohio State. To determine that, let's let's put these two teams on the field okay, together. Right. Oh wait, we did. And Oregon won. Now, I, I just think honestly, if you look at Oregon's overall schedule and overall body of work, they're, they're in, we can I'm, I'm just giving you my. I'm giving you at least if I were in that room, if I were one of the 13 people in that room, what I would have been thinking. The but, overall body of work doesn't matter if the two teams you're considering played each other and one beat the other. Yeah. Okay. Right. Let me ask you a question, Zimmer. Okay. So if you have Oregon and Ohio State both go undefeated and win their respective conference championships, let's just say it works out somehow. They probably wouldn't end up both getting in, but let's just say it comes down to one spot left, and you have to choose Oregon, Ohio State. Who are you taking? You would, you can you yeah. can't you value head to head yeah yeah in that case would. I would go to the head to head but well I, then why why is it different now why is it, yeah what's different because I'm looking at I was looking at the past couple weeks I think Oregon the one loss wasn't great Ohio State's one loss was to a top ten team I'd rather at least in my opinion if Oregon's not going to lose to a team that's not really even ranked if I'm in that room I'm not sitting there being like ooh they should get in because they can't even they can't even if you're if if you're looking at the team that you're arguing for them against, you're like, oh wait, yeah, Ohio State did lose to a top ten team. It was Oregon. Right. Like that's the problem with the argument is like, yeah, it was a quality loss, but the team we're arguing for is the team that beat them. But also, the, I agree with Cincinnati outside the top four. I absolutely agree. With that. I put about seven in my poll when I sat there and considered. We should not. And I, and I say we because I, I, this point I think the committee has the same stance as I do. There should, we should not be rewarding group of five teams for weak non-conference schedules. How is that a weak non-conference schedule, though? They have one, signif- you want to say weak they have one significant win against Notre Dame. That's a top ten win. You yeah, know who that, doesn't have a top ten win right now? Alabama. Well, the re- well, consider this. You have to. You also have to consider the entire schedule they play. They played a lot of ranked teams so far this year. If you if you want to say that they have a weak conference schedule, I'm fine with that. But weak non-conference. They played an Indiana team who at the time was a lot, people thought they were right. going to be a lot better preseason top 20, and a top 10 team who Alabama does not have a current win over a top 10 team right now. But I think Bama there. Neither Look, does Ohio it, State. It's going to play each other out. I don't. Bama might not be in the playoff because they're going to they're, they're have a collision point with Georgia. I'll, I'll step back so we can get to another topic because we only got 10 minutes left on the show. Yeah, we'll go ahead and switch topics here, but we'll we'll stay with a football question, but switch things to the NFL. Yesterday was 
NFL's trade deadline. Not a ton of major moves were made, but I want to know what you think was the best move that was made. We'll start with Justin Zimmer. I'm going to say Von Miller to the Rams. I think you talk about the Rams right now. that They're really trying. They're in the best position now to make a Super Bowl run. The defense is already great there. Adding a adding another great player in Von Miller to that defensive unit is going to only make it elite. So adding Von Miller is going to be great for the Rams overall. And the in, in the return, what they're sending to the Broncos is not that bad. It, they actually think they got lucky. They, it's not a first-rounder. It's a couple second-rounders. So not a bad deal. So I'm, I'm going to go Von Miller to the Rams. Does it have to be a guy that was dealt yesterday? No, no. Okay. Well, I'm going to say one that happened probably a month ago. Uh, Carolina Panthers getting Stephen Gilmore, I think, that or Stephon Gilmore. Stephen plays here. Uh, but Stephon Gilmore is a good pickup. Obviously, he wasn't playing at the time for New England, so his value was a little bit lower. And to get him back, I think he had an interception last week in his first game with Carolina. That's a team that's already got a solid defense. Offensively, they probably could have added a piece or two there, and hopefully Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers' standpoint, can get healthy and they can get back because they have a team that could probably make a playoff run. But for a defense that was already good to bolster that, can help this team uh, stay competitive in the NFC. Now, obviously, at the time, their season was headed in a different direction, and they're still in in a good situation where they can sneak into the wild card. They're probably not going to beat out the Buccaneers or the Saints in that division, but they still have the pieces around to make a wild card run, and adding Gilmore defensively was probably a trade that many people forget about because there wasn't really any big blockbuster move besides the Von Miller trade. There was really wasn't anything else that was huge, I think. think, Uh, And this one kind of got thrown underneath because it happened a month ago. I think think you brought up that. I think the biggest move was the people who did not get traded. But but I'll let Alex talk here. Yeah, like you said, I mean, looking at some of these, obviously the the eye-popping one is talking about Von Miller going to the Rams. That's a lot of money that he's going to be making. But, I mean, what do we talk about Melvin Ingram going to the Chiefs? Seems like a pretty solid move. They, uh, in exchange for only a 2022 sixth rounder. And when you start talking about the Chiefs, what it's a, what's one of the things that we've talked about with this team is all their defense. You know, there's this D-line that we've been talking about having a hard time the defense. I mean, they're 4-4 four and four at this point on the season. I think that it was needed for them to at least make some type of move. And I'm still not going to write this team off because, again, we've seen what they've done the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, it's it's a long season. We're only we're not even halfway through the season yet with this 17-game schedule. But I think that that was a, a pretty sneaky good move that kind of went under the radar because all this attention was being focused on not only the – uh, Von Miller moved to the Rams, but also some of the other unfortunate NFL news we've had the past couple of days as well. We'll uh, stay in the NFL for our next question. And Zimmer, you mentioned a moment ago some of the best moves are deals that weren't made. However, it seems like a deal or a split up between Odell Beckham and the Cleveland Browns is eventually going to going to happen. Do you see a potential fit in the future that is a good team that could help revitalize OBJ's career and get him back to playing like how he was on the Giants? We'll start with Andrew. Get back to his good level. I don't know if he can get back to that level. I mean, maybe if you put him around a good offense. Um, But obviously there's a bunch of teams out there that could use another wideout on the outside. Number one, you well, I'll just think off the top of my head, it's the New Orleans Saints without Michael Thomas, but they've got a quarterback problem, too. Without Jameis yeah. Winston, now it's 
you know, Cam Newton, is, it, is Taysom Hill going to be healthy enough and ready to roll? Phillip Rivers apparently might come out of retirement. You might as well just throw Adrian Peterson in the backfield and just make it the all-retired team. But well, uh, in a yeah, but still, you just yeah. trade for him or you just cut him. You know, it was a joke as ever. Yeah. Uh, but I think the best situation I think would be in Kansas City. I mean, they have struggled so much this season that Patrick Mahomes really only has two good real targets. Miko Hardman's a, is just a speedy guy. Brian Byron Pringle. Byron Pringle, that, that's who it is. Uh, he's not very great. He's not good at all. Demarcus Robinson's fine, but they only have he only has Kelsey and Hill, and Mahomes has struggled a little bit this season. If OBJ ends up getting released, Kansas City's going to hop right on him, I think, because they could use an extra wideout uh, there for Patrick Mahomes because he's got a lot of talent, and with how much Kansas City throws the football, OBJ's going to get targeted. Now, the problem is, if he wants to go to a situation where he's the number one or he's the number two, he's going to get fed, that is not the place. But I think Understanding where he's at right now, situationally, midway through the season. Hey, let's just go. Let me see. Let me see if I can go make an impact and make a really good uh, a situation there with Kansas City and see what comes of it, and, and get a lot of repetition there and maybe go there. So and I think com- Kansas and, City and coming off some injuries too. I mean, this is yeah, he's, he's healthy. He, he's at a point in his career now where it's almost kind of like you got to show me that you still got it, kind of thing to prove it, people to pay you again. It's it's exactly right. It's kind of a situation when. A little bit different, but similar to when Carmelo Anthony would always be making those summer videos, like, okay, does he still have it? And then eventually he finally showed out in Portland and showed that he had value. Is OBJ valuable as a number one wide receiver? We don't know because of the injuries and because of all the things that have happened. I'm going to throw out a team that could potentially be a pretty decent landing spot. How about Seattle? That would bolster an already, you know, pretty solid receiving core. I mean, it would be a a crowded room with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. It win. Russell Wilson would come back. It would. I think that that would be a pretty good fit for him, and could potentially give them a little bit of an explosion that they need on that side of the ball. I think that's going to be a lot of it contingent on Russell Wilson coming back. But I think that we're presuming this move probably wouldn't. It's it's not going to happen now. Obviously, the trade trade deadline's over. But talking about next year, it makes sense for him to want out of Cleveland based on how he's not been getting the ball. People, you know, his dad, I believe, tweeted that he wasn't getting the ball from Baker Mayfield. Like, he showed a play of him just not seeing the field right. And Baker Mayfield's been banged up. And, he's and Odell commented on that video as well that his dad made. And it's kind of just made, like, I believe, the check mark emoji. So, yeah. Yeah, and it, this is a situation for them that never really has worked. I mean, there have been moments of, okay, yeah, this is pretty exciting kind of deal, but... I think it. I think it is time for him to, to move on, and I think that Seattle would be a, a pretty solid place for him to do so. Yeah, I think the the big question here is the injury status of Odell. Like, how banged up is he actually? Like, is he? Like, I think you have to look at isn't it? like it. Like, obviously, obviously he's been injured, but there might be more severity to the injury than they're letting on, and that could obviously change the value of of what what's going on here. So. I think the best move for the Browns is to release him. I, I don't really see him being a fit anywhere because of the injury status. I If you're a team, at least if I'm a general manager, I'm not going to sign a player where I don't know how good their injury status is. So I'm, I'm, I would say the Bucks is might be the best fit. You know, I mean, what? No, just consider – wait, hold on. Just considering the injury status, he doesn't have to play right away – and but Tampa Bay's got a lot of personalities in that room, but they've been able to kind of mesh them all together and get them all equal attention. So I'd say that because I think down there in Tampa, they could at least look at his health 
and at least try to figure out how to, they can mesh everybody in that room together, and they've done a good job with it so far with all the personalities they have. Okay, guys, uh, so we'll go ahead and get to our final question as tonight's edition will be just a half-hour edition of Sports View. For my final question, Buzz. I want to hear... Or excuse me, for Sports Fuzz. Just just left Sports View. <laughs> excuse me. But I want to know... Who Christian is wants your, to go back on TV. That's what it is. Zimmer. All right. So I, I just want to know your way-too-early prediction for next year's World Series champion. We'll start off with Alex. All right, we're going to go back to it, the old reliable, the Dodgers, because they're the current Vegas favorites. And I think that when you look at that team, we talked about, uh, Christian and I have talked about this off-air a lot, their payroll compared to everybody else's is insane. And I think that, you know, this was such a magical run by the Braves that we we kind of forget about, you know, the Dodgers had a a very good season as well. And I think that this is something that's going to get righted, and I think that that's the safe pick as of now. But, I mean, again, the... MLB season ended last night, but that'll be my pick. Real quick, I'm going to go Dodgers-Yankees. Yeah, I was going to probably say Dodgers-Yankees. Don't keep in mind maybe the Astros, but Correa's a free agent, I think, right? So Correa, he and could be gone and, and Baker. So, I don't know. I think the Astros are always a sneaky good team, and the Yankees always underperform. So, I would probably go with the Houston Astros, just because it seems like consistently they're always competitive, and if they're able to get Correa back, I think they'll be legit. We all know the Pirates are winning the yes. 2024 yes. World Series champions. Maybe, maybe even back-to-back. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the 2024 draft lottery. Years. Let's give you so 14 the, the rebuild's going well, Zimmer. Okay. Don't worry. All right, so it's time to crown a winner of tonight's show, and I'm going to have to go with Andrew Rogers. Andrew, take a, take a little victory lap. You have any final words for us? I don't know if this victory counts because it was a half of a sports but oh. We can thank Zane Townsend for that one. But, yeah, that's fair. But it's still, yeah, Alex okay. needed an L on his resume, and I gave it to him. So yeah, and, and just like that, just like the 2020 Royal Rumble, Brock Lesnar has gone over the top rope after 13 eliminations. Yes. Yep. So, yeah, good win. Good win. Be back next Wednesday. All righty. Well, that will do it for tonight's edition of Sports Buzz. Thank all of you guys for joining us on the panel, and thank you to all the listeners joining in for tonight's program. We will be back with Sports Buzz again next Wednesday.